Fridays, we bring you information about Mendocino County's pandemic response. We open the phone lines up for your questions for the hour. And we are in an interesting phase of the pandemic after almost 15 months. With a good percentage of the local population here in the county vaccinated, it can start to feel like we're near the end of this this ordeal, but those people managing the county's pandemic response and our local health care providers know the pandemic is not over and their efforts are as urgent now as they've ever been. Vaccination outreach is ongoing with equity and hesitancy presenting major challenges for our local health department. And the county has moved in the last couple of weeks into the yellow tier, the state's yellow tier, which clears the way for the reopening of many sectors that have been closed for over a year. Uh, mental health is another significant issue we're facing in our our county and residents are facing isolation and economic hardship due to the ongoing pandemic. So today we have with us Trey Strickland, who is the new manager of the Department Operations Center for the county. We're going to be speaking with Darcy Antle, Mendocino County's vaccine coordinator. And we also have with us Dr. William Miller, who's the chief of staff at Adventist Health Mendocino Coast Hospital. And he writes a weekly report called the Miller Report about the coronavirus pandemic that you can find in our local papers and on the Mendocino Voice. So welcome to everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Trey, let's Thank start. You. Let's start with you because you are the newest well, member of the team. Um, you've taken the reins from Becky Emery at the Department Operations Center. Can you just introduce yourself to KZYX listeners and and let everybody know what your role is at the DOC? Sure. Thanks, Alicia. Uh, my name is Trey Strickland. I've worked for Mendocino County Environmental Health since 1997. I've been the Environmental Health Director almost four years, and I've been the DOC manager for almost two weeks. Um, but I have been involved in the COVID Response Emergency Operations Center and Department Operations Center uh, since March of last year. And as DOC manager, I'm following the footsteps of, of Becky Emery and Kelsey Rivera, who both did a tremendous job getting us, helping us get where we are at today. Uh, so my priority is to keep our efforts moving forward in the right direction and, and help us identify and reach out to those uh, populations that are under vaccinated and try to keep the message out that this is, uh, you know, June 15th is, doesn't go away. Uh, we still have a lot of work to do to keep ahead of it and address the, um, you know, the obstacles that, that tend to pop up in the way, like, like the variants. What does it mean for Mendocino County that we are now in the yellow tier? And what kind of, since that was announced, what, what changes have happened? And what are you expecting could also happen from the yellow tier announcement in the coming weeks? Well, so being in the yellow tier, um, for our county, the biggest difference is increased capacity limitations in most indoor settings. And in most cases, that's moving from a 25% capacity limit to a 50% capacity limit. Um, and, and also the fact that bars can now open indoors um, at 25% capacity. Uh, so, those, so those are really the big differences between the yellow and the orange tier. Um, and then there was, of course, the CDC guidance regarding outdoor masking or instances where that wasn't necessary any longer. So so for now, those are, are the big differences and hopefully we'll be able to remain in the, in the yellow tier and take advantage of that um, moving towards June 15th. Yeah, so June 15th, what is coming up on June 15th and what? how are you at the DOC sort of looking forward to that? What are you doing to prepare for it? So I think as, as most of the listeners know, um, June 15th, we're going away from the colored tiers um, blueprint and going beyond the blueprint. And as long as two different criteria are maintained, that's that there's um, that there's an equitable vaccine availability throughout the state, which basically means, you know, there's a sufficient supply for anyone who's 16 years or older that wants a vaccine. Um, and then also that there's a consistently low burden of disease, meaning that our the hospitalization rate remains low and that we're able to maintain the surge capacity. So a couple main uh, things that will happen after June 15th, uh, and this is 
this information is from the California Department of Public Health. Um, schools should conduct full-time in-person instruction. Uh, workplaces should continue to promote policies that reduce risk um, as they should already be doing. Um, there might be some testing and vaccination verification requirements for large-scale higher risk events. Um, and we certainly have some of those in Mendocino County, uh, typically in the, in the later summer, um, which will be after this takes effect. Um, we have to continue testing and vaccinating folks. That's, that's an ongoing part of keeping, keeping this under control is knowing what's happening and where and identifying folks to isolate and quarantine so that it doesn't spread any further. Um, and, and some of the, and the priority is continuing to vaccinate, um, continue to monitor and conduct surveillance, including tr tracking variants to the degree possible that we can, um, continue to conduct um, our contact investigation and contact tracing um, to, you know, to make sure that we're keeping those folks in isolation quarantine that need to be. Um, and then continue to monitor hospital admissions, availability of, of PPE, and make sure that we have an available healthcare surge capacity to deal with any large events that might occur and send a lot of people to the hospitals. So even though our case numbers are quite low at this point, there's still a whole lot of work that's being done to make sure that we are stay that we stay in a good position even as we continue to open up as a county and as a state. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure Darcy will be talking about it. Um, one of the big things is we need to get more people vaccinated. You know, the more vaccination, the more people that are vaccinated, the the, the less risk there is of it transmitting to greater numbers of, of folks. Um, so that's going to continue to be a priority along with testing and finding ways to reach out to those groups that have been under vaccinated thus far. All right. Well, um, before we move on to the vaccination efforts with Darcy, and we also have Angel Slater here, who's the a public health nurse who is handling the county's vaccine efforts. Um, let's just get a snapshot of where we are today. Can you give us our latest uh, numbers on case counts and uh, quarantine and isolation numbers? Are we up or down in terms of trends in the last few weeks? So, so I don't have all those numbers in front of me i know we currently have 37 active cases as of yesterday and we had a, a big kind of blip on our radar last week we had i believe we had 38 cases last week and we'd been in the low low teens or, or less prior to that um and this week we're starting off really well um but we had one week with with I think orange tier level cases, um, but our case positivity rate, I believe, was still um, was still in, in the yellow tier, and and this and it looks like we're we're doing better this week. So, um, you know, we had a lot of North County cases, um, cases in Ukiah, and um, the state does not want us to backtrack they don't want anyone to backtrack um but but you know we'll just have to have to see but this week's numbers are good so we're trending again back in in, in the right direction so um i would presume that chances are we we do stay in the yellow tier but we it, it's a good example that, that we still have to keep on top of it and do everything we can because it's not just a linear progression forward until June 15th and everything's good. We have to keep keeping up with all these things we're doing um, to maintain that positive direction. Right, so it really is something that everybody is doing. It's not just accidentally these numbers are going down. It's actually that people are uh, continuing to be vigilant, continuing to mask and socially distance. And then uh, on, on 
the other hand, Darcy and Angel and the county are moving the, the county's vaccine program forward. Hey, Darcy, welcome back to KZYX. Hi, Alicia, Darcy Antle, Deputy CEO and uh, vaccine uh, team member, I guess. Uh, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what my title is right now. Um, yeah, you know, we we have administered 70, over 73,000 doses um, to residents of Mendocino County. We're super excited about that, but we got a long way to go. Uh, and we really need folks to come in. Uh, again, as as Trey said, stay vigilant. Uh, do your do your um, hand washing and your masking, and get out there and get your vaccine. Um, we are shifting our focus a little bit and starting to figure out how to include those uh, 12 to 15 year olds. We were just a couple minutes late today because we were uh, speaking with Superintendent Deb Cuban and coming up with some plans on how to um, incorporate that age group in the next uh, couple of weeks. We're hoping for that approval by the end of next week, I believe, Thursday. Wow. And the, so, so the Pfizer vaccine is through its trials in 12 to 15-year-olds and now is just pending approval by the FDA to be used uh, to vaccinate adolescents, kiddos. Yes, yes. So what are you thinking in terms of planning, making, you know, making that actually happen? I guess it's going to be easier now that school is mostly back in in the county. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I'll let Angel take this. Okay. Hey, Angel. Hi. Hi. Um, so we just talked to Deb Cuban, as Darcy said, and um, providing that everything is a go next week um, to start vaccinating the 12-year-olds. The week after that, we are going to be um, rolling out uh, vaccines, um, actually setting, sh setting up shop at the schools. Um, we talked about possibly doing this on the 21st, which is on a Friday, and going to um, and being present at Palmolita and Eagle Peak and the high school, doing all three in one day. And it piggybacks on onto the drive-through um, vaccine clinic that we have on the 22nd at the high school. So kids and parents will have a choice um, if they choose to be vaccinated. And um, so we're really excited about that. So and, it's kids uh, and their families. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, you've already been doing this kind of thing at the high school with the 16 to 18 year olds. How is that going? And have you learned anything from those efforts that you are going to apply to the the efforts to vaccinate 12 to 15 year olds? Well, what we're hoping is that it's a domino effect that, you know, the, the hundred and some odd kids that were vaccinated that day that, you know, their friends will see the need, you know, and, oh, they survived it. Now maybe we'll do it, you know, type of thing. Cause it's peer pressure and, you know, the, the, the sports programs and, you know, the families will see a need in this so that, you know, you know, they can get vaccinated and there won't be any repercussions really if somebody becomes positive on their team or in their classroom, you know, they're, they're protected. I'd um, like to share just one quick comment that uh, Deb shared with us um, that she had some students come to her and they really couldn't wait to get vaccinated because their fear is that they would get COVID and then their student, their their friends would have to stay home in quarantine. They would be in quarantine and possibly it would shut down um, their sport events. So it was really uh, exciting to hear that the young people were thinking more globally than just about um, themselves. Yeah, that is really, really exciting. That definitely. Thank you. Um, I also wonder how significant of a of a part of the population the kids are like how and how much of a risk do, do kids who are unvaccinated present for the continued spread of the virus well you know there a lot of them are asymptomatic so they're carriers and unfortunately you you know uh, an adult or an elderly person you know is the first one sometimes to be tested and test positive and then you work backwards via con you know contact tracing and you kind of find out you know who the super spreaders are and and the kids are silent you know at that point so we really don't know how many 
they yeah. have infected at this, you know, when you, when you finally find out a whole family is infected and they've got a little one there that's going to preschool or going to, you know, middle school. And you know, let's face it, they're, they're not covering their mouths. You know, they're touching everything. They're kids. So, and we do have an estimate that it's four to 6,000 in that age group. Um, you know, the, the census cuts off a little bit differently than, than uh, the vaccination age group. Yeah. So it's kind of hard, but um, we estimate it's in that, uh, there's more in that age group than there are to the 16 to 18 year olds. Okay, so it's a pretty significant chunk of the Mendocino County population. Great. Well, um, can you give us the latest sort of, uh, you said over 73,000 doses have been administered. Can you give us some stats on how we're doing? And then let's talk about the vaccine opportunities for the coming week. Yeah, I'll let Angel go first while I pull up our stats, okay? (laughs) She can tell you about the events. So um, next Monday, we will be, um, we'll have a new clinic open at the fairgrounds. Um, with Pfizer, and we'll be bringing some Johnson & Johnson so people can request Johnson & Johnson. But that will be from 5 to 7. Um, on Tuesday, we will be back out in Potter from 11.15 to 1 p.m., targeting um, our seconds, um, and we'll, be, we'll bring us a bunch of firsts as well. To whoever wants to walk in, we'll have our Pfizer, and we will also have Johnson & Johnson. Um, later on that afternoon, we will um, be uh, administering Pfizer, uh, first Pfizer's at the fairgrounds, again, from 5 to 7, um, trying to target that group that works and make it off at 5 and um, can't get there during the day. On Wednesday, uh, we will be going back up to Covalo, and we have seconds from 10 to 12. We'll be ringing first again um, for whoever uh, missed us three weeks ago. Um, And then on the 13th, on a Thursday, we are um, combining uh, four days of seconds. Um, the 19th, the 20th, the 22nd, 23rd of April will all be combined on Thursday and plus with some, some new doses, some first doses. And we're estimating anywhere from 11 to 1,200 people from 1 to 7. Um, we're a well-greased wheel down there. People don't wait very, very long. And um, the estimated time from the door to out to in the door and out the exit is in between 25 and 30 minutes so if anybody's wondering how long it takes when they're we're that busy that's about it um, so that thursday Friday, event uh, the thursday uh, sorry is uh for second doses for people who got their first dose on april 19th 20th 22nd or 23rd and that's yes, going to be at the ukiah fairgrounds Yes. Okay, and that's from 1 to 7 p.m. So it's a big one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we like those. They're fun. <laughs> yeah. Lots of happy people. Yeah, relieved um, people. Lots of relieved people. Phew. They really are. On um, Friday, we will be throwing some Moderna in there from 9 to 11 to people that um, prefer Moderna. And uh, we'll have those are for new, new people, um, first doses. We'll also have Johnson & Johnson. And then we're working with the Hopland um, Tribal uh, Council to uh, put on a clinic down there off of the corner of 175 and 101 on the highway. Um, And we're hoping to be down there in between 5 and 7 on Friday on the 14th. Cool. That'll be a drive-thru event? Yes. Okay. Drive-thru and walk-up. And that one thing I I saw that you guys put out... um, an announcement that all of your county vaccination events are now walk-in eligible so people can just show up? Yep. I mean, of course we prefer to get on my turn if you can, but we're, we're not, we're not turning it. We're not turning anybody away. Let me tell you, we're not turning anybody away. And we, we have the vaccines and we're going to give it. Um, we've also, the last couple of weeks went very mobile and if there's somebody at home that is bed bound or homebound, we go to their homes. Um, we are still actively supplying, um, the skilled nursing centers. So we call them very frequently to make sure that they're, 
um, new patients that come in um, are or staff are vaccinated. So we, we've got some really good community outreach going on right now and um, something we're very proud of. Tell her about your North adventure. <laughs> yeah, um, last uh, couple weeks ago, we went up to um, Wells Gulch, which people like to think, oh, that's Humboldt County. Oh, you're okay. talking about Whale Gulch. Yes, you Whale know, Gulch. I am, I'm, I'm uh, a graduate of Whale Gulch Independent City High School. That is awesome. I read quite a bit about the yurts and the families and how it all kind of, you know, came about. Yes, so yes, the uh, alumna. Our, I'm so glad you went out sorry. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I got questions like, why are you going to Humboldt County, right? And it's, well, people don't understand that that's Leggett, Leggett School District. That's right. Well, I think so, we were the first charter school in the county. Yeah, so it was pretty neat. Um, it was kind of roadside in front of the school. Um, one of our great um, county employees slash school nurses put that on. And at the same time, we uh, showed up in Leggett and um, vaccinated out of the high school there. And um, we, you know, we got 32, 33 people that day at Leggett. And that was pretty cool because there's eight 16 to 18 year olds that go to school at this little school. And we captured four of them. And the other, um, the other three or four had um, plans to either get the vaccine or had already gotten it. So that was cool. Wow, that and then is cool. Go leg it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then we headed down to Laytonville, and that was a really good showing um, at their high school. And um, we did a drive up slash um, walk up there. And I just want to mention that the high schools, every place that we've been at, whether it's high school, whether it's we went to Presbyterian Church and vaccinated yesterday at Preston Hall in Mendocino, um, Mendocino High School, like every place that we've been at has just been absolutely amazing. The people just get in and help us. And it's so many happy people. And we're just having a really good time doing it. Definitely. Well, that's great to hear because the, I guess the impression that, that I was getting was that things are really slowing down and you're having a hard time filling appointments. But it sounds like you're meeting that challenge by going out to where people are. For sure. I mean, they're slowed down in a sense, yes, but we are, it's, it, we're able to mobilize right now and a lot easier. And so, you know, the numbers may be small, but we are really getting the borders of the county and, um, Willits has stepped up. The community center is amazing. Um, the coast, everywhere we've been on the coast, we're getting ready to go to Point Arena on the 17th, and we're going to vaccinate at the Veterans Building. That's all in the works, and we'll, we'll get that on PIO and to the public next week, the details. But um, we have a lot of amazing places that we're going to and, and really trying to capture, you know, the people that may didn't have a chance to go or live too far out or whatever, whatever it may be. We're, we're very open-minded to what we need to do to get the county vaccinated. Amazing. Yeah, our, um, our new uh, DOC manager, Kirk Str uh, Strickland, came up with a great idea about going to businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so, Trey, do you want to share? Well, yeah, we just <laughs> just talked about it, but the potential to, uh, to ask a business to host uh, a short little vaccine event, maybe vaccine and testing for a couple hours and provide refreshments and, and maybe a, a discount for folks that want to shop in their stores. So we're, we're trying to come up with, with new ideas and incentives to, to reach folks that aren't necessarily against being vaccinated. They just, it needs to be as convenient as, as possible. So we're trying and kind of like what Angel and Darcy have been talking about these other instances, we're trying to make it as convenient as possible to get folks vaccinated because, um, you know, that's what our population is right now that we're targeting. Wow. So like little vaccine mixers with little vaccine gift certificates uh -huh. to sweeten Oh, the we've got plans. We've got big <laughs> plans. Yes. I, I, I hit the hit the street running with that today. I made a bunch of phone calls. So, you know, for sure. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, okay. Well, let's, um, Darcy, do you have the stats so we can feel great yes. about <laughs> where we are? So, 
Yeah, so what we're, um, we're tracking now with the state. So it's on covid19.ca.gov. And they're updating our data every day just before um, noon. So uh, when you look at the age, from 0 to 17 is 1.6%, right? Because we're really only doing 16 and 17-year-olds at this point. 18 to 49 at 37.35.7%, 50 to 64, 25.4%, and 65 and older is 37.3%. And this is people with at least one dose of vaccine administered by age in Mendocino County. Race and ethnicity, the Latino, 18.3%. Uh, white is 64.8%. Other, 5.5%. Unknown, 7%. And again, these numbers, Alicia, do not include Indian Health Service vaccines, Veteran Administration vaccines, or those first rounds of vaccines that were offered at the pharmacies. Okay, let me ask a so clarifying question missing. about the um, the percentages here. So when you say lat- the Latino population, 18.3%, is that 18.3% of Mendocino's Latino community, or is that 18.3% of the vaccines that have been administered so far have gone to Latinos? Percent of vaccines administered. So it's people with at least one dose of vaccine administered by race and ethnicity in Mendocino County. And we do know that in the my turn, there's been this, um, when, when you go in for um, the, the Latino community, they have to pick white and then pick, um, pick yes, pick Hispanic or what, whichever of those um, categories they would fit into. So we know that's why we try to write, report this other and unknown as well, because I think it's gotten, some of the data has gotten um, confusing, although the state is attempting to sort that data out now. I don't know, Trey, if you've heard anything about that? No, I haven't heard any interesting. that. Yeah. All right. So overall, if you were just looking um, at the at the the big number, what's our percentage of people who've had at least one shot in Mendocino County? It's over at least one percent. Uh, I mean, at least one dose. Yeah, at least one dose. Well, originally we were counting um, our population at seventy seven thousand eligible population that will change obviously adding these uh, the the young adults in there uh, but and you're saying how many uh, the seventy three you want that out of the seventy three yeah I mean I think is, when, is there a way to know the percentage of people who've had at least one dose and the percentage who've had both doses maybe I just no. It's not that clear because of the Janssen and Janssen, or Johnson and Johnson, the Janssen, because um, that's just a single dose. So when oh, when they're reporting right, right. it, you don't really have that number. Um, but I think Dr. Korn's been reporting up in the up in the forties. I don't know, Trey. Have you heard him report out recently? I haven't. Yeah, no. I'll look through my notes, but okay. I don't. I don't recall what the percentage is but i think we are we were right around the state we were doing better than the state average and i don't know maybe if we dropped to around the state average um but i don't think we're any worse than the state average as far as first doses Great. Okay. Um, I think i had one more question about vaccines and that is uh Angel and Darcy, you mentioned that these numbers uh, don't reflect the other ways that people are getting their vaccines through the VA, through the Indian health centers, through uh, the, the pharmacies. Um, can you talk about the other opportunities that people have in the county besides the county vaccine events to get like how, how can what are all the ways people can get their shots, basically? I think all most of the pharmacies. CVS, Walgreens, um, Walmart, 
um, is giving them. Um, and then you, like uh, Consolidated has been giving out quite a few. Um, let's see. All our FQHC yeah, partners. All the partners. So um, RCMS, Redwood Coast Medical Services, Mendocino uh, Coast Clinics, Long Valley Health Center, um, Bechtel Creek and Willits. And I'm gonna get in trouble because I'm forgetting someone. I said, oh, MCHC, Mendocino Community Health Clinic here in Ukiah as well. And then um, Adventist Health, um, if they go to their primary care provider as well through those clinics. Okay, well, that's a great segue. Let me just reintroduce everybody. This is our Friday COVID update here on KZYX, where we like to focus on the county's pandemic response. I'm Alicia Bales, and uh, with us today is Trey Strickland. He's the new manager of the Department Operations Center, taking the reins from Becky Emery. And we also have with us Darcy Antle and Angel Slater, who are working on the county's vaccine efforts. And we also have with us Dr. William Miller, who's the chief of staff at Adventist Health Mendocino Coast Hospital, Welcome, Dr. Miller. We're going to bring you in on this conversation. Um, what are you following in terms of the latest sort of pandemic health news or vaccination updates or anything like that? Well, thank you. Uh, I would say just to dovetail on what has already been said, that um, it's very important that we continue to vaccinate the public because that will help us prevent new variants from being formed. You know, uh, all viruses mutate, and the more people you have who are infected and therefore reproducing virus in their systems, the more opportunity there is for a virus to mutate. So by, so by having a, a strategy of vaccination, we're not only helping to bring an end to the pandemic, but also to uh, to stop the formation of new variants. Now, we've, I'm sure most of us have heard about uh, the recent comments that Anthony Fauci has made about not talking about herd immunity anymore. Uh, I, but I do think that it's still important to understand that if we are able to achieve a very good percentage of vaccination, uh, somewhere around 70 to 80 percent, then we will probably bring this pandemic to a close. People misunderstand, however, what that really means. That does not mean that we will eradicate this virus. It just means that the pandemic will, will come to an end sooner and we will still have the virus around, uh, probably indefinitely. Uh, but at least it won't be uh, a pandemic-level problem worldwide. Now, this really means that, of course, we've got to vaccinate a large percentage of the world's population, and that's the big challenge. Uh, when we think about viruses like um, smallpox, for example, we were able to eradicate smallpox because we achieved close to 100% vaccination. So that's different than herd immunity. That's That's everybody getting vaccinated. And that uh, does then help us uh, eradicate a, a, a virus. We have uh, another uh, question that comes up, I think, is, well, what about these variants? And I can mention a few things about them and how the vaccine, how they interact with the vaccine, if that would be of interest. Okay, so the there are many, many variants, uh, perhaps hundreds, maybe even thousands of variants uh, of this, but there are uh, really four in particular that are of great interest. Uh, the one that's primarily in Europe right now is uh, the one that started in the United Kingdom. And uh, that variant, the main thing with that variant is that it's uh, somewhat more contagious. It's easier to transmit that one. Uh, because of a mutation on the spike protein, which acts as a key in a lock, allowing the virus to gain entry to your cells. Then you have the, the variant that is down in Brazil and the other variant that's over in South Africa. Now, we don't call them the South African variant. That's not appropriate, but that is where that variant is from. And then the Brazilian variant, is or the one in brazil is the one that uh, 
both of these have some resistance to these vaccines. But that doesn't mean that the vaccines don't work. They're just not quite as effective. Even if somebody has a vac- has the vaccine and gets uh, COVID with one of these strains, they don't get as sick. So it is beneficial in two ways. Uh, one is that that it still does prevent people from getting sick, but maybe not quite as much. We've heard about, of course, Pfizer and Moderna, uh, 95% effectiveness. Uh, against some of these strains, the effectiveness might go down, say, to 70%. But that remaining 30% uh, of people, it's not like there's no protection whatsoever. If they get the infection, they won't get as sick. So I think that these uh, vaccines are still um, very important and still effective. There's a lot of talk about whether or not we're going to have to have booster shots as time goes on. And we may, you know, we may well see that Uh, just like we have to have a shot for the flu every year because influenza is constantly mutating and changing, which is the real reason why we have to have a new flu shot every year. Um, we may see that over time, we, in order to, to maintain protection, we may have to have periodic boosters uh, against the different strains and whatnot. I hope that is uh, a helpful perspective. Yeah, for sure. And inevitably, we we do have questions from our listeners about issues that only a doctor can really answer. So I'm really grateful for you for being here today. And let's go ahead, if, if y'all are ready, to, and open up the phone lines for questions for from our listeners. We do have a wealth of knowledge here on the air. If you ha- have a question about vaccines or the county's vaccine, continuing vaccine efforts or uh, contact tracing and case investigation or, or anything about the county's response this is the time to ask those questions we're really grateful to have all of you here and willing to um to to field questions from listeners so let's go ahead and put out the phone number the number here in the studio is 895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 and here in the studio well via zoom we have trey strickland who's the manager of the department operations center for mendocino county darcy antle and Ann angel slater public health nurse um, handling vaccine efforts and dr william miller who's the chief of staff at adventist health mendocino coast hospital and who writes a weekly column called the miller report that you can find in the mendocino voice and other local papers let's ha- let's take our first call hello caller you are live on the air Hi, this is Meredith of Mendocino, and I have two quick questions. I would like an uh, efficacy update on the J&J. I got the J&J, but we don't get the numbers so much on those. And I would like to know, um, I'm an employer. I have about 60 employees, most of whom are not working right now. I know I can't legally ask them or require them to get vaccinated, and I want to know if there's any kind of protocols coming out of the health department so I know how and when to open up. Thanks a lot. All right. Great questions. Thanks. All right. So first question, efficacy update on the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Anyone? Dr. Miller? I should probably go to Dr. Miller. (laughs) (laughs) Looking around at each other. (laughs) Right. Sure. So, so the efficacy of the Johnson & Johnson shot is, um, is still a little bit being debated, but it is certainly approaching 90% is my understanding against the variants that we're dealing with, especially here in California. Uh, we do have a, a variant that developed here in California, which is one of the four that I mentioned that were of interest. And that one seems to be equally uh, affected by the all of the vaccines as the original variant that came out of Wuhan. Uh, that variant, by the way, was the majority of infections during the winter. Uh, people uh, sometimes hear about these variants and think, oh my God, uh, I have to be worried that it's coming. Uh, no, it's already here. And so that ca- the variant that we identify in California, which is slightly more contagious, is um, equally uh, managed by all of the vaccines. The Pfizer and Moderna may be slightly more uh, 
uh, effective, especially against uh, the strain that's down in South America, South Africa, and the strain in Brazil, uh, than the uh, than the AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson vaccines. All right, great. And what about the question about somebody who has a significant number of employees? Um, doesn't can't actually require or ask if they're vaccinated so what advice would you give them about safely reopening bringing employees back to the back to the job um well i would say that you know there's enough folks that don't want to be vaccinated that um that our universal precautions will need to stay in place i'm not aware of of what scenario an employer, an employer can ask or require um, folks get vaccinated. I do know the post June 15th, you know, beyond the blueprint guidelines, um, still recommends masking while indoors, regardless of whether someone's vaccinated or not. And I did notice I've seen I don't recall seeing anything uh, regarding social distancing in the in the beyond June 15th, but definitely indoor masking um, is going to be an ongoing, um, you know, recommendation or requirement. And and you know, like Dr. Miller referenced, you know, for polio, there was a hundred percent vaccination rate. Well, that's you know, we're never going to be remotely close to that with with COVID. Um, so beyond June 15th, there's still going to be a lot of, um, you know, recommendations to keep us in a, in a safe place. So as, as far as the employees go, you know, one of the one of the things that's a little bit more recent is is talking about improved ventilation indoors. The more you can get the air turned over with fresh air, you know, you're going to be removing, um, you know, you're going to be lowering the risk. Um, so that's one thing I would recommend is, is employers should look at their facility and see what, what can work to their advantage to make it more safe uh, against COVID. And then what things are kind of working to their disadvantage. You know, if it's an old building with very poor circulation and not many windows, you know, that, that could definitely be a higher risk. So, you know, I think on a case-by-case basis, look at your facility and determine what, what you can do to help maximize uh, the safety in regards to COVID. Sounds very familiar. What, what we were doing before we had access to vaccinations will, will continue to be kind of the standard. Yes. All right. The number here in the studio, 895-2448. We're here for another 15 minutes. We're going till four o'clock and then it'll be democracy now. 895-2448. And we have with us Trey Strickland, who's the DOC uh, manager, Darcy Antle and Angel Slater, who work on the county's vaccine efforts. And Dr. William Miller, who's the chief of staff at Adventist Health Mendocino Coast Hospital and writes the weekly Miller report on the coronavirus that you can find at the Mendocino Voice and several other local papers and soon to be his own blog. <laughs> Alicia, can I piggyback on to that, um, the, to those questions? Absolutely. Um, she, says she, she says she owns a business. If she wants our team to come down and set up shop for an hour or two one day, that we, we will more than welcome be, be able to do that for her. Ah, for so, sure. so local business owners can reach out to you, Angel, and the vaccination mm-hmm. folks. The vaccine yep. folks, and you'll bring shots down to the business and make them available to employees. Yep. She can email us at um, doc-vaccines um, at mendocinocounty.org, and we um, often uh, look up our email, and we will be able to serve her anytime. And how does that work, Angel, with, um, I know that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have to be kept at extremely cold temperatures. Um, how can, are you doing those smaller events with Johnson & Johnson vaccines, or, or how do you, how are the logistics there? We're still doing both. Um, we, we carry in a box with us, a nice box with us, um, a refrigerated box, or we just got a new little fancy machine that it keeps plugged into the cigarette 
um, lighter in your car or the electrical part in your car and to keep it at a certain temperature. Um, once they're removed from the freezer, you do have so many days you can use it, but it's not immediate if you keep it at, at again, a certain refrigerated temperature. So we've been pretty, pretty um, cautious and, and pretty diligent about we take what we think we're going to use and whatever we don't use that day, we, we use at the next clinic. So our percentage rate of um, waste is very, very low. That's so interesting. I was wondering about how, how you calibrate all of that, you know, if you have oh, to thought and use it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the logistics of it. And then add to that that there's always a second shot involved here, that you got to get everyone right. back for their second dose. Right. Yep. Um, well, the phone lines are very quiet today, but still there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, Trey, you have a comment you'd like to make. Yeah, I just want to mention from a question you asked earlier, uh, as of yesterday, there was 56.8% of our eligible po uh, population had at least one dose. Wow, okay, 56.8%. You know, I, I guess I just like to track that number as it goes up. It was going up very quickly for a while, and now it's sort of notching up incrementally, but still it's very exciting. 56.8% of Mendocino County uh, eligible people have gotten their vaccines. That's awesome. Dr. Miller, you had something you wanted to say? Yes, uh, I guess the program today is sort of really focusing on vaccination, and that's fine. Uh, to get back to the comment that was made earlier, I believe by Trey, that we're expecting the Pfizer vaccine to be expanded all the way down to age 12. Uh, I'd like to just share with you that there's a big difference between the importance of vaccinating people who are uh, pre who are uh, who have gone through puberty and those before puberty so in other words what i'm trying to say is that people before puberty children before puberty are not producing the virus in the same quantities as after you hit puberty and that seems to have to do with a certain receptor which starts getting really expressed on the surface of our cells during puberty and it's that receptor that the virus is uh, utilizing as part of its replication so it's really important it's a real great thing that this vaccine is going to be available for age 12 and above um, it's not as important before age 12 and of course that's the reason why public health was back you know months ago uh, the state health department was allowing schools to to reopen up to i believe it was grade six but not reopen after grade six and that was because of this phenomenon so um anyway i just wanted to throw that out there people are wondering uh about the the age cutoff fascinating and i wonder about the the side effects to the to the vaccine shots too like so many of us uh, complained about just, you know, from very mild to somewhat horrible second dose after effects. I wonder how the kids are doing with that. Well, let me let me comment about that, if I may. You know, I I think that that's a common conversation. Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, reaction did you have to the vaccine? I want to point out that the whole way vaccines work is by trying to imitate the infection itself. And by imitating the infection, and causing an inflammatory reaction, your immune system then produces antibodies. So actually, it's probably a good thing when you get those that feverishness and the body aches and you feel like crap. That's all inflammation. That's your immune system reacting to the vaccine. And those people who had that reaction may well end up having a stronger antibody response and be more immune. So I don't think people should be fearful of that. I think it's actually a good thing, not a bad thing. And somewhat easily managed with, with Tylenol. And also I wonder about the teenagers yeah. sort of comparing their their effects, you know, <laughs> if it's like a, a, a thing to kind of brag about. Anyway, we do have another caller. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Oh, there. I had a question about whether the employers don't seem to be able to require vaccination, but can they require a negative test on their employers? 
Good question. I am not aware of of that requirement listed anywhere, and I'm not. I've not heard of any businesses that are that are requiring that. Um, yeah, I, I think the current directive is that if someone has COVID symptoms, then they're asked to go home, um, and they're asked to be tested. Um, but but you know they don't have to. Um, but they can be, you know, asked to stay home for an isolation period um, to be safe. So it's not it's not going to be that employers can have prospective employees tested. I don't I think believe so. So oh. this is That's Dr. Miller again. If I can chime in, um, we may well see. Um, the ability for employers to require vaccination. And in fact, there are entities that are already doing that. Uh, for example, you may know that the, um, the California State University System, as well as the University of California System, are going to require all students who are going to get uh, who are going to live in dorms or have on-campus education, and all teachers and staff will be required to be vaccinated. Uh, I suspect that we may also see healthcare workers uh, at some point in the future being required to be vaccinated. This is nothing new. This is not unusual. Healthcare workers are currently required to be vaccinated against measles, mumps, rubella, etc. So the fact that uh, this may be something that is required uh, probably will be on the horizon. And also, uh, there's a lot of debate uh, already happening about whether or not entities such as cruise ships or airplane uh, airliners uh, should require proof of vaccination prior to letting people on. And uh, you may know oh. that in you know that there that already the state of Texas and the state of Florida are trying to pass laws to block that kind of thing, uh, to block the so-called uh, vaccination passport. While in California and New York, there is talk at the legislative level of doing just the opposite, giving incentives for people to have to show proof of vaccination to go to various venues, such as a large sporting event. So we may well see that. Caller, did you have any, any follow-up on that? No, I'm glad to hear that he thinks um, it's going to get better as far as um, being having that proof, you know. It seems sensible for public health. So, no, thank you very much. That was very complete. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for the call. Okay, this is KZYX. We are in the middle of our, well, we're coming to the end of our Friday COVID update. We've got uh, members of the county's vaccine response team. Darcy Antle and Angel Slater are here. Trey Strickland is here. He's the new manager of the Department Operations Center. And we're also joined by Dr. William Miller, who's the chief of staff at Adventist Health Mendocino Coast Hospital. Thank you all for being here. It's invaluable. Um, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, even though it feels like we're coming down to the end of this pandemic, Certainly, your efforts are just as urgent as they've ever been. You're not at, you're not coming to the end of anything. You're still right in the middle of it all. So, um, thank you for being here to keep us updated and to keep us aware that this is still an ongoing situation. Let's take one more call. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Yes, I just have a question. Now, a few minutes ago, he said something about when you get the shot and your immune system is kicking in and you might have a little headache, a little fever, whatever. Now, when I got my shot, I had no reaction, period, on either one of them when I got both my Pfizer. What does that mean? Well, you and I both got uh, the Pfizer, and you and I both didn't have any uh, symptoms. I had no... I just had some soreness in my arm for a, a few hours. Uh, I don't think that means that you should be afraid you didn't get a good response. And in fact, the studies that have been done show that um, that you know there's a that you probably have a good ninety five percent chance that you have uh, developed good antibody response. I'm just saying that 
that some people's immune system reacts more strongly and that that's probably a good thing and we shouldn't be afraid of it uh, is the point that I'm trying to make. But, but, the, but the inverse is not necessarily true. Uh, in other words, just because you didn't uh, get a fever and aches and chills and all of that, uh, that does not mean that you, the vaccine didn't work for you. Okay, well, that's all I wanted to know. I thank you very, very much. All right. You're very welcome. Thanks for clarifying. All right, we just have about four minutes left. Do you want to just kind of wrap it up and go around and and hear some sort of last thoughts from everybody? Trey? (laughs) Okay, this is Trey Strickland, the manager of the Department Operations Center. What should we keep in mind for for the coming week? Well, for the coming week, In weeks ahead, as we approach June 15th, we still need to socially distance. We still need to to wear our masks when we're supposed to. Um, We're really going to try to reach out to to get more individuals tested on a regular basis. We still have a lot of um, hard-to-reach and um, under-vaccinated groups that we need to to identify and reach out to, contact. Uh, we need to find ways to make it more convenient and easy for folks to to get vaccinated that don't that aren't motivated to go and um, get it scheduled and make two trips. So we just keep trying to uh, you know work towards that uh, that end in sight. Hopefully, where we're as normal as we can be, but we're still going to have to do a lot of things in the meantime, on an ongoing basis to make sure that we stay safe and, and progress in, in a positive direction. Great, thank you. Yeah, Darcy and Angel. I just want to reiterate um, that we are taking walk-ups. Don't hesitate, come on in. We're taking walk-ups to any of our events uh, across the county, throughout the county. And that if employers want us to stage down there at their um, their businesses, we want to do that as well. Um, if there's any questions or um, somebody, you know, we have people in that are housebound or bedbound um, or just don't want to be out for whatever reason, um, they can email us at docvaccine at mendocinocounty.org or people can have my work cell phone number and they are more than welcome to call me at 707-367-6389. Again, 707-367-6389. I will answer my voicemail or it's, it's probably best to text me, but I will, if I have cell phone service, I will get back to them and we can discuss how they want to get vaccinated. Okay, so we're getting to the stage where you're infinitely creative and flexible in the ways that you will reach out to anyone who wants to get the shot. Absolutely. That's cool. All right. And Dr. Miller. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Darcy. I just want to give a shout out to all our volunteers that have been assisting us across the County, um, whether it's inland or on the coast or up North. And also a shout out to all the businesses that have been supporting this effort um, whether it's with meals to the vaccine team or um, other contributions. So we really appreciate um, and love our county, and we're here to serve. So call Angel. Yeah, and I want to add to that because it's great. We have um, – we the other day I was asked to give um, numbers and uh, T-shirt sizes to a local business to um, – Ray Starkey that's going to make a t-shirts and um, I came up with 73 names and um, three-fourths of those names were local volunteers that have been showing up day in and day out and volunteering for up to eight hours wow. <laughs> at these vaccine clinics and, and then people, you know, businesses have been feeding us and um, People like me are, are gaining the weight all from this food that just keeps coming in. <laughs> but um, everybody's the COVID-19. very appreciative of the support. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it. We're we're completely out of time for this Friday COVID update. Thank you to everybody who are who who joined us today. Thanks for the callers and Dr. Miller. People can find your column, the Miller Report, uh, at the Mendocino Voice and other papers. Yes, and I will be putting out a blog uh, that has all of the previous. Uh, uh, 
the previous articles. And we've been doing this a year now. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Bye-bye and have a great weekend and a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.